Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. Now join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. When did the disciples see the kingdom of God? That is a question that we will answer on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, alongside my co-host, Trevin Wax. And today we're going to discuss another one of those passages where it's hard to tell if Jesus is talking about something his disciples are going to see with their own eyes, or if it's something uh, that's going to happen in the future. So Trevin, let me read the passage here, and then we'll get going. Sound good? In the CSB, I'm assuming? Yes. So I'll read Matthew 16 to 20, 24 to 28 in the CSB uh, to give some context here. And so remember, this is right after Peter confesses Jesus as Lord, and Jesus tells his disciples uh, about his death and resurrection. So uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay, the key idea that we want to focus on here is that last verse in this passage, where Jesus says that some of those standing there, as he was saying this, would see Jesus coming in his kingdom. Uh, in, In Luke's account, he says that they will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So there's a little disparity there. Matthew talks about Jesus coming in his kingdom, whereas Luke says that they will see the kingdom. Matthew's account seems to have potentially more focus on Christ's return, you know, the Son of Man's coming, being the time that they'll see the kingdom. And then Mark's account talks about the kingdom coming in power, which might add a little different wrinkle. Uh, I, 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 we don't want to focus on all the, on the different variations uh, that can make it a little more confusing, but it, they could also actually paint a fuller picture. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, first view is that uh, this refers to this, this kingdom coming uh, refers to Pentecost when his disciples received the Holy Spirit. Uh, so this view states that the disciples saw the kingdom of God fully when they saw the Holy Spirit come down and indwell believers. Uh, so Jesus promised, right, that one day he would send his spirit to give them power, uh, in Mark's wording, uh, to do works that not even Jesus did. Uh, they didn't see the kingdom in full until they saw the Holy Spirit's empowerment of the church, uh, which they had yet to see, you know, obviously fully until uh, during Jesus's ministry. Okay, so view number one refers to Pentecost. View number two, that the coming of the kingdom here, that the people that's standing there are not going to see death until they see, uh, that this is referring to Jesus's transfiguration. Um, so this view argues that the disciples saw a fuller picture of the kingdom and Jesus's glory right then in the moments that happened right after this passage. Matthew records the transfiguration in chapter 17, right after Jesus makes this claim. And so some would say Matthew puts that there because he, Matthew saw these two things as related, Jesus' prediction here and then what happens uh, days later. So in seeing Jesus's fully glorified state, they saw a glorious preview to what the kingdom would be like when all believers would have glorified bodies. Uh, but Jesus says that some standing there would witness this and we know uh, from the text that only a few disciples were present for the transfiguration. Yeah, so some would see it, but not all would see it. Yes. So, so the focus on some, not how long they're going to live. Right. Okay. View number three 
Uh, this refers to the destruction of the temple in AD 70, which I feel like the destruction of the temple, we should have just called this like our multi-week series on the destruction of the temple and verses surrounding potentially the destruction of the temple. That's because there's a lot of interpretive things going on. Yeah. When that happened, that was a big deal. Right. So, uh, so this view says uh, that Jesus is referring to the destruction of the temple and, uh, the clear judgment that they would receive for desecrating God's temple. So this is a, so this would say that those who witnessed the destruction would taste the, uh, the judgment power of the kingdom. When Rome committed another violent act against God's people, uh, not long after the heinous sin of obviously crucifying God's Messiah. So making sense of this context, then, uh, when this happens, Christians will need to be ready to carry the crosses in the midst of chaos and persecution because uh, God's judgment is coming and uh, it's going to ripple through the kingdom. All right. So there we've got three views. Um, I, I, I'm going to go first on this one. Okay. And I I would assume there's probably not a lot of people listening that are necessarily going to believe uh, agree with agree with mine. So I'll go first and then let you give the view that most people are probably going to agree with, I think. Okay. Um, I go with view three, actually. I, I do think that this is referring to the Son of Man being vindicated in his glory by all of his prophecies about the judgment against Jerusalem coming true. Um, I, I would add to that, though, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus to the right hand of the Father. Uh, it, here, here's the deal. The reason I go with this view is that First, I think it odd that Jesus would be saying, some of you won't die before you see my glory. And then a short time later, this takes place with the transfiguration. Uh, it just it just seems odd that he would be talking about them not tasting death until they till they see this if it's gonna happen right after after that. So that's that's my my pullback from view number two. The Pentef- the Pentecost view, I'd say maybe partly right. Uh, but the focus here is on the Son of Man coming in glory, not the spirit coming down on the church, I think. So I I take this saying to refer to Jesus's exaltation as the true Lord of the world, which took place with Jesus's resurrection and his ascension, and then is so evident in his vindication when everything Jesus predicted about the fall of Jerusalem does come true in verse 70. When God comes in judgment, we, we could say uh, um, the Christ coming in judgment in AD 70 uh, against Jerusalem when that did come true. So you would, you would say actually that the historical event of the temple being destroyed in AD seventy it's a vindication of, of Jesus' glory. Okay. Yes. yes, I would. Interesting. I like that. Okay, so so when we decided to do this episode, I didn't have a strong opinion, strong view on this. So, but now I, you do, and you I disagree do. with mine. So try to convince me. I do, That's but it. I but I came into this episode wanting to agree with view number one. Okay, because I you like the Pentecost. I love the Pentecost thing. I love the Trinity. I've got a, uh, oh, you know, I'm doing my PhD love the in the Holy Trinity. Spirit. I do the Holy Spirit's all right. So, uh, but I don't ultimately think it does justice to Jesus so clearly discussing himself here. Right, he's talking more about his own kingdom, his own glory, a little less about. Um, you know, the Pentecost or the Holy Spirit or something like that. He talks about that a lot, but right here he doesn't appear to be. Um, and since he doesn't return, he hasn't returned yet. He's almost definitely talking about something that was about to happen. So, so in, in, in a way, to me, view number three seems like a stretch because it doesn't seem like Jesus is focusing on judgment in the context of this passage. He's talking a lot about, "Hey, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to come back. You need to be faithful until then." Right? The you know, keep a watch out, all those kind of things, be alert. Seems to be talking a lot more about their faithfulness and their understanding what the kingdom is versus judgment. Although I do think you make a good point about judgment being part of us seeing the, the kingdom of God. But ultimately- Yeah, but he is talking about their vindication, right? Follow, follow 
um, it, whoever would come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Um, and then he talks about reward. He's talking about the mm-hmm. Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and he will reward each one according to what he has done. And then he's saying, look, at, at the the, ki- the kingdom of God coming in glory is going to ha- happen. You'll, the vindication of my followers is going to happen in this generation is what I'm taking about. Yeah. But anyway, See, I'm just... Well, where I, where I, would, I guess where I would lean away from you on that is that I don't believe as strongly as you do that the historical event of the temple being destroyed was some sort of uh, direct fulfillment of vindication necessarily. Well, so because, well we because could at, I think we I think could at least say it was a vindication of Jesus's prophecy coming true because Jesus did prophesy the destruction of the temple. Right. Correct. Correct. But I do think uh, I think it's letting history. I don't think I'm not going to say I think because that's not what smart people say according to an article <laughs> I read recently. Um, I don't I don't believe though that um, that. I think it's letting history influence your view too much and historical event influence your view too much rather than letting the context of the passage in, include uh, in, uh, inform your view. Does that okay. make sense? Well, but I'm not calling on. you an eisegete when I say no, that. No, continue on. So the re- I have a comeback, but I'll wait. <laughs> so here's why uh, I end up at view number two. Okay, so view number one, I, I wanted to agree with it. I don't think that quite does justice to it. View number three, I think there's a little bit of a stretch there with historical stuff and trying to take a, a, a prophecy from other places in Matthew. Whereas I think view number two about the transfiguration does more uh, justice to the given context that's happening here. Okay. So given Matthew's structure here, right, the transfiguration comes right after this. Uh, and given that the transfer- transfiguration was such a key climactic moment in Jesus's ministry, it's kind of the first time that, that some of the disciples were able to really see his glory. There's kind of this progression here, right, of you know, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to come back. Um, you need to be ready, be alert. Some of you are going to see this in person so that it will give you encouragement to be faithful, give you encouragement to uh, stand up in the face of persecution, like I'm telling you is going to happen. And then transfiguration happened. And he says, here it is. This is the glory I'm talking about. This is what you have to look forward to. Because I would say the future vindication more than anything else is going to be their glorified bodies and resurrection, which happens much later, but they get a picture of it in the transfiguration. I I think that I think there's a lot to be commended to that view. So I yeah, when I'm thank you, Trevor. That's when, all I wanted when I'm was pushing, your commendation. <laughs> when I'm pushing back, I'm just I'm doing it from the I'm not I'm not saying that I'm a hundred percent sure that my yeah. that my view is right on this. I, I just I do find it odd though that Jesus would basically say, Hey, some of some of you are not gonna taste death before you see this, meaning to me it sounds odd to say that 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 in in Normally, when you would read that, you would think that he's saying, this is going to happen in this generation. Yeah. And if it happens a few days later, it just seems to make that that statement. Well, I mean, you know, Peter could have gotten in a multi-camel collision on the Galilean <laughs> Parkway and died five minutes later, you know? so <laughs> Well, true. I mean, knowing Peter. Uh, no. Yeah, All right, so, I, so how would we preach or teach this, Trevin? Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the funny thing. So we come to very different conclusions as to what exactly Jesus is probably referring to here. But I'm I'm going to focus on the demands in this text. I'm, I'm not going to focus on the controversial part uh, necessarily. I, I, pr- I probably would mention it, but then move on from it. Because I to spend too much time in a sermon on this passage on what exactly Jesus is referring to here is going to miss the point of the call to discipleship. Yeah. Uh, the trust that we are to have that no matter what suffering we encounter— God is on his throne. No matter if we're being persecuted by people who have rejected God's Messiah, Jesus is going to vindicate us just as he himself has been vindicated through what happened eighty seventy. I would just add. But mm. uh, but I'm I'm pressing upon people the claims of Christ and I'm holding before them 
the reward of seeing God's vindication in the future. I want them to be thinking of that future reward, that future vindication that's going to come. Uh, just as everything Jesus has prophesied has come true, know that his glory is coming. And, and that is what gives you the fuel to be able to live the Christian life, to pick up your cross, to follow him. And and so that's, that's going to be my focus, which I'm assuming— unless you surprise me here, is going to be similar to what you would be doing. Well, now I'm just thinking about your application and how, according to your view, none of us get to see that vindication because it already happened in AD 70. So I'm just really sad that I don't get to have the supply. What what did I say in a previous episode? Okay, just for our listeners, (laughs) dual fulfillment, people, dual fulfillment. So the original application for the original hearers would have been fulfilled in AD 70, but that does not mean that the application and the principle does not extend to us as we're waiting Christ's second coming. Uh, yeah. as well. So, my, my trolling was there was to help clarify for the audience. Thank so. you. No, that was good. That Sometimes was good. my trolling is for good means. That was usually good. not. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I would come to a similar conclusion. I would say, uh, if I were preaching this actually in Matthew, I would preach the whole passage basically from Peter's confession of Jesus as Lord, where Jesus says, you know, the gates of hell won't stop his church. Uh, then he comes in this commandment to be faithful and stand firm when he resurrects, uh, to this passage here about the transfiguration. Uh, so to me, and this is why I take this view ultimately, this passage, uh, about the, um, the coming of the kingdom seems to crescendo in his speech here and then come true in the transfiguration. So he tells the disciples, you know, they'll get a taste of the kingdom's power before they die, which ends up happening in the transfiguration. So I'd actually preach this whole passage together because I believe Matthew has it there in that order for a reason. So uh, as believers, this matters, obviously, because we can confidently uh, do what Jesus told us to do, which is take up our crosses every day. Uh, knowing that our glorious risen king sits on the throne, that his glory and his power exceeds anything the devil can put up against us. The gates of hell will not stand against us. And then when we see the transfiguration there at the end, and we see the cross, and we see the resurrection, uh, we see the power of God's kingdom. And we get to, as people looking back, uh, see this progression and see these things happen. And it gives us hope that the gates of hell indeed cannot stop us because we have this glorified Christ uh, who is uh, who they see transfigured, they see glorified, they see the Old Testament prophets praising him, they see the resurrection, and so that we know because of biblical witness that we can trust that that'll happen for us. I love that application of this text. That was a really nice way to end our little debate here. That was probably the most debate we've had in, a, in an episode, potentially. It's probably more interesting. We should do this more often. I know. Well, it's funny because I'm I'm pretty strongly hold that view, but I've been more convict- convictional about other things we've disagreed on and we've not really <laughs> even. So anyway. All right, Trevin. Thanks as always for hopping on. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters has been presented by the Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages, but clear for today's audience. Find out more at csbible.com.